This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth and I'm excited to talk about what a lot of us as Christians are debating about in America today, and that would be our religious freedom, our freedom to assemble. What about our churches? What about our businesses during this COVID-19 quote-unquote crisis? And we've got Pastor Carl Gallup's coming up in a minute. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, just, just we know that you are sovereign, and thank you, Lord, that you are in control over all things, at all times, in all circumstances. We also know, Lord, that your word tells us that we who are believers in Jesus Christ and have surrendered and submitted to his authority and lordship, you who began a good work in us promised to be faithful and complete that work in us and that we have been given good works to do. So we have a purpose every day to be salt, to be light, to preach the gospel, whether that hopefully through word, but also indeed to live like it. And Lord, we need your strength and an extra measure of your grace because we're noticing some of our family members giving into fear and anxiety and panic. And we know your word says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things. We know that's, that's your will for us. So help us, Lord, be anxious for nothing. Help us recognize your power and your sovereignty. Help us to understand, Lord, that you are working even when we can't see you and that on this short timeline of eternity in the year 2020, you have a plan and it's unfolding and you are orchestrating events and circumstances that we would probably have a hard time even fathoming. So we give you this hour. We give you our lives. We ask that you uh, help us cast our cares over on you. And we thank you so much for sustaining us in and through all things. Help us to be patient with people who don't believe. Help us to be patient with those who are maybe giving in a little bit to fear or anxiety. And help us to continue in our uncompromising approach to sharing the truth, Lord. And we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so thrilled to have Pastor Carl Gallops back with us today. I haven't mentioned this in the last couple times he's been on, but he is a a former police officer, a graduate of Florida Police Training Academy, Florida State University, and Nolens, New Orleans, Baptist Theological Seminary. And he's also a pastor down there in Florida enjoying some nice weather. But um, we're going to talk about the fact that he has not closed his church during this coronavirus crisis, and so much more. Pastor Carl, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Thank you, Dave. It's always good to be with you and your audience, man. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. And let's start right there. Even pastors are struggling with some of the decisions that we have to make during this time. Um, so please tell us, um, how did you? how quickly did you come to that conclusion that we are not going to close. We are going to honor God and try to honor the governing authorities because Christians are struggling with this idea of Romans 13. We've got to do whatever the government says. And please shed some light on that for us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, listen, the Bible has the answers. They're right there in front of our face. And um, first of all, I agree with your your beautiful prayer a few moments ago that uh, I've asked the Lord throughout this entire thing to not give me a judgmental heart or spirit towards yes. other pastors or Christians mm-hmm. and to have and to give me patience, but at the same time to protect me as I make my best decisions based upon where I believe uh, the spirit of God is leading me according to the word of God. I'm not one of these guys that runs around talking about how, you know, well, God told me to do this, so therefore you're wrong. I mean, you know, you can really use that phrase to beat people up with. And mm-hmm. I try I try real hard not to do that. So so the bottom line is. Is. Um, I, uh, yes, I, I have been a pastor here on the Gulf Coast for over three decades in one church. So the people in this area know me and they know that I stand on the word. 
And they also know my background, as you said. I mean, I, I worked for three different sheriffs in mm. two different sheriff's offices, almost 11 years of experience in criminal law enforcement. So uh, I have a deep respect for the law and uh, obeying the authorities. And this is a biblical command. You're, you, you are correct. Romans 13. And, and again, it's uh, uh, one of the epistles Peter wrote. I don't have the Bible right in front of me right now, but, but he speaks of the same thing that Paul writes of in Romans 13, of obeying the authorities who are over us. Mm -hmm. So now, so I said, the, the answer is right here in the word of God. Okay, so what is the answer? The answer is nowhere in the Bible does it say obey the government always, regardless of anything they tell you. The, the context of all of the passages speaking about obeying the government are, are, are clear. The context is, look, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. And we're told from Genesis to Revelation that rendering unto the Lord what is his always trumps everything else. Amen. It always comes first. But in the meantime, <laughs> we are to practice discretion and discernment. And we sometimes things are not just black and white. Sometimes Christians have to make decisions, tough decisions, hard decisions. Sometimes when Christians follow the word of God and our loyalty is to the Lord first, even before governments, and we respect governments, we praise God for governments. The Bible tells us that God gives us governments to keep some semblance of order in a world that is completely and and utterly depraved and lost. Hmm. I mean, think yes. about it. I would rather live under a communist regime, and praise God I don't, but I would rather live under a communist regime than to live in a culture of millions of people where there is no law and no government at all. Chaos. Do you understand? Tyranny. Chaos yeah, yeah. and ar anarchy and yep. tyranny and the survival of the fittest. <laughs> yes. And it, no recourse for the weaker people who cannot defend themselves. You know, uh, it, it would be horrific. It would be a literal hell on earth. And so I get it when the, having been a lawman and having been a pastor now, and of course, understanding that we live in an utterly depraved and fallen world, yet it is the institution of government, even in its utterly depraved and fallen condition all over the world, it is the institution of government that at least gives us the freedom to breathe and to get on with some kind of life without fearing every single second of our life that somebody's going to jump out of the bushes, uh, murder us, rape us, take everything we have, and we have zero recourse, especially if we can't defend ourselves. So so the scripture is clear that really governments are a blessing from God, and we should work to be law-abiding citizens. We should work to support the institution of government. I'm making air quotes with my fingers right now. <laughs> the institution of government. However, the Bible is replete with people of God, believers, and even Jesus himself, who eventually had to step over the line, stand up to the government and say, I am not going to obey that. And in every situation, they were put to the test by the fallen world, and God allowed it. Sometimes God used the test. I'm thinking of Daniel. I'm thinking of Shadrach. I'm thinking of Meshach. I'm thinking of Abednego. I'm thinking of most all of the Old Testament prophets. I'm thinking of Paul, who wrote several of his letters. He wrote almost half the New Testament. Several of them he was writing from a prison cell. Why was he in prison? Because he was a murderer or a rapist or a thief? No, because he was a believer who was actively spreading the word and starting churches over the Roman Empire and his enemies, sometimes the Jews, sometimes the Gentiles, sometimes the Caesars, sometimes the government of Rome hmm. were attacking him, falsely accusing him, looking for ways to neutralize him. But in the meantime, he's the one that wrote Romans 13, saying, you know, <laughs> to the best of our ability, we, I mean, he didn't use these words to the best of our ability, but that's the context of the whole word of God. We should first set out to be law-abiding citizens. Mm -hmm. God's okay. people should do that. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, that's the context. And again, I think of Peter. 
You know, he almost all the disciples were either put to death or imprisoned at one point or another. John himself put on the prison island of Patmos because he refused to follow a government edict from the emperor in Ephesus to sacrifice a pig on an altar in honor of the Roman emperor. Now, they told him, you can go on and, and, and practice your faith as well. In Rome, we do that. Uh, you can be a pastor of this little thing you call Christianity. You can follow this, this Jesus if you want to. But you will honor, <clears throat> excuse me, you will honor the Caesar as God. You will worship him. You will sacrifice a pig. You will bring your sacrifices and offerings unto this Caesar at this uh, altar we have erected in Ephesus. And John at that point said, you know what? I have been a law keeper all of my life. I have, I have been a law-abiding citizen. I have been operating as a pastor in the middle of this godless empire as a law-abiding citizen, but that I cannot abide. Hmm. They said, we will put you in prison. John said, I guess that's what you're going to have to do. Oh, they, history tells us, the Bible doesn't record these things specifically, I don't think, but, the, but, uh, but history tells us that, that, uh, that the authorities tried to kill John several times. One of them says they tried to put him in a, a vat of boiling oil, and, and every single time God delivered him and he escaped, kind of like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And, and think of those guys in the book of Daniel. They were working for the government. They were government employees. That's right. I mean, Daniel was like right up next to the to the king himself, and and he bent over backwards. They all bent over backwards to try to follow the government's rules, even those that bordered on telling them they couldn't worship their god. Until it finally got down to where they basically said, you can't. And told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you hear the band strike up, when you hear the, the loudspeaker announcement, if, if they had that technology then, that's what it would have been. They said, you are to stop everything you're doing. You're to bow down and worship this idol that we've erected uh, that, that signifies the God of the kingdom and, and, and signifies loyalty to the kingdom, to the government. They refused to do so at that point. They refused. They said, we're law-abiding citizens. In fact, they pled their case. They said, have we not obeyed everything you've ever told us? Have we not been great servants and employees? Have we not honored the king? Have we not honored his laws? But this we cannot honor. We cannot. I mean, it it is absolutely uh, uh it, impossible for us to honor this. So they were thrown in the furnace of fire. Mm -hmm. We know the rest of that right. account. Daniel, the same thing. They had to send spies spying on him in his house. See, they didn't have hidden video cameras back then and, and cell phones that could turn on and off without you knowing it and computers that could turn on and off. But they had spies looking in the windows trying to catch him doing something in his own home wherein they said that would be against the law. And they caught him, of all things, um, molesting a child. Oh, no, no, that wasn't it. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, he had dragged somebody in his home and murdered them. Oh, no, no, that wasn't it. He was on his knees praying, praying. to God, yep. praying. And so they put him in the lion's den. And, of course, God uh, delivered him. So the point is, now, right, now let's come up to 2020 and the COVID panic, the COVID epidemic, the biggest part of the epidemic is panic and fear. There is a real disease. There is real death. Mm -hmm. There is a real virus. I am not one of those deniers. I understand the science of it. I, I, I have I've got medical professionals, surgeons, doctors, researchers, renowned medical pro professionals that are a part of my church family. Plus, I'm a prolific researcher, you know, uh, and, and I'm all over the Internet. Only go to those sites where I'm dealing with people who have been virologists for decades, people who are renowned and the biological nature of viruses and diseases. And the more I learn about this virus, the less concerned I am about it as a whole and the more concerned I am about the political chicanery, the lies, the fake news, the, 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 the false fear and panic that has for the first time in history gone global overnight and for the first time in history on a resurrection Sunday morning since the church has been born, for the first time on a Resurrection Sunday morning, people all over the world were hard-pressed to find a church where they could go and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's never happened before. It happened almost overnight. 
And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what declares Satan's defeat. Now, how coincidental is that, <laughs> that for the first time in history, there's this spirit of Antichrist that permeates the globe overnight because of our, our information, communication, instantaneous technology. Again, we're the first generation in history to have possession of this. And overnight goes this spirit of Antichrist, this spirit of fear. I mean, governments all over the world, and let's just talk about America, mm -hmm. we're saying you can't, you can't go to church, but you can go to Walmart. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why it, some it, of it, us are so upset. Yes, yes. And listen, I, well, anyway, I, I, I could talk about this for hours. I don't want to chase a rabbit. But the point is, <laughs> we come to we, we come to 2020, and here we are. And I hear still hear Christians saying, "But Romans 13." I know. And I always and I always say, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you trying to say? You 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 toss that scripture out there. Yes. What 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 does that scripture say? It says we must obey the government. Okay. And so how does that fit into the entirety of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation? And then they say, what do you mean? And then I reply, see, that's the problem. You don't know what I mean. <laughs> In other words, I'm talking about context. Yes. I'm talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I'm talking about Paul. I'm talking about John. I'm talking about all the disciples. I'm talking about Jesus. One of the reasons they hung him on a cross, politically speaking, was he defied the authorities. Hmm. <laughs> you, you understand? Yep. He yep. would not keep their law. Their law was, starting with the Jewish authorities, who then appealed to the Roman authorities to get their authority to crucify him, but these were all legal authorities. The Sanhedrin Council was a duly recognized government legal authority among the Jewish province of Ju Judea in Rome and the Roman Empire. And so that legal authority ordered Jesus basically to quit saying that he was the Christ. Of course, Jesus said, you know, uh, I, I didn't say that, but, you know, the disciples said that. But then they asked him, tell us plainly, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And then he said, you have said it or I am. And for that, they put him on the cross, politically speaking. We know Jesus came to deliver himself and all of that was being planned from God's throne. But in the human realm, what did Jesus do? He broke the law when it came down to the entire mission of the kingdom of God and the government saying, you can't do this. Jesus said, I guess you're going to have to crucify me then. Of course, what they didn't understand was that's what he had come to do. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. But my point is, from Jesus right on down through the Old Testament, New Testament, we find examples of God's people being put up against the wall of government authority when the government steps over a line and says, you can't meet, you can't worship, you can't declare that, that Jesus is God, you can't preach, you can't pray, you can't pray publicly, you can't pray in the schools, you can't pray on the sidewalks outside of an abortion clinic, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so Christians have always had to make those hard decisions. Now, can I use myself as an example in our church, or do you want to ask me something in the middle of this? You've been gracious to allow yes. me to do all the talking. Yes, and, and I, I, I couldn't stop you because I was enjoying the, the wisdom of what you were discussing, what you were sharing. Uh, we've just got a minute before we have to take a break, so I don't want to go there. But when we come back from our break, in fact, let's do that now, Pastor Carl. Um, a couple things I want to ask you. One was in Romans 13, uh, verse um, six. Some of us are confused about the fact that it says the ruling authorities are servants of God. Now, we know they're not Christian. Yes. We know they're not all believers, but it says they're servants of God. A lot of people yes. are confused about that. And then, it's, of course, it says render to all what is due them. And then I want to ask you about the perspective from a police officer, because a lot of them in different states are struggling with enforcing some of these governing yeah ordinances ordinances order or orders yes uh, yeah a lot yeah. of police uh -huh. officers are struggling with particularly when it comes to christians and meeting in churches so when we come back there's a lot to unpack and more to talk yes. about when it comes to yes. romans 13 when it comes to how christians need to be respectful regardless of what decision you make and what quote side you're on and uh, we have a whole lot more plus we're going to get to pastor carl's book masquerade uh, prepare for the greatest con job in history before we wrap it up today we've got to talk about that as well coming up a lot more with pastor carl gallops on stand up for the truth 
Stand Up for the Truth is on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Stand Up WI. And share today's show via the links at the StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. We've got Pastor Carl Gallops on the line, and he is a pastor of his church in Florida that has not closed. And we want to know, Pastor Carl, how have you done that, and what kind of reactions have you gotten from Christians? Yeah, thanks. Well, everything we've done has been strictly biblical and strictly legal, believe it or not. How? And and I'm getting ready to tell you. And <laughs> we've and we've also used common sense. And uh here's how all of this works. Listen, when the panic first ensued and it was almost an overnight thing. I mean, it literally took 2 or 3 days to kind of get around the world and everybody get into lockstep with governmental edicts all over the world. Uh it's interesting. We all our nation almost turned to China overnight. I I mean, I mean you know, the yeah. government edicts, city councils, county commission, everybody was feeling their power. Governors just last week, Kansas City, Missouri, were told by their local officials you have to keep lists of names, addresses, phone numbers of everybody that's a part of your church and your membership roles and everybody that comes in and out of your buildings. And if they come to a wedding, even guests, you got to keep a list. You have to make them sign in or funerals. You have to, and then you can keep it yourself. We'll, you know, we'll never ask you for it unless, and here was the order. We think somebody might have been exposed to COVID virus. Well, all of us have been exposed to it one way or the other. And they said, if we think one person in your congregation has been exposed, we will ask, we will, we will demand the list of everybody who's been there. And, and if you don't give it to us, we will fine you. There may be jail sentences and, or we can close your churches down. That was in Kansas city, Missouri, not Wuhan, China, Kansas city, Missouri, not North Korea, Kansas City, Missouri, the Bible Belt, and there was hardly a whimper from the rest of the nation, except, of course, the local pastors went crazy. I don't know. Some of them probably said, that's the final straw. We're not going to do that. I know I wouldn't do that. But anyway, back to me. I live in Florida. We live in Northwest Florida. We've got some recorded cases of of, uh COVID infection. We've got a double handful of cases of recorded deaths in a three-county area. We've got 700,000 people that live in our area. When you do the math, the chances of getting the virus or dying from the virus are way slimmer than the flu in our area, according to all the local, local statistics, latest statistics. So, Uh, The bottom line is there are hot spots in Florida, like Miami and down in that area. Uh, But our governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, has never issued a decree that churches must shut. As a matter of fact, when he did issue his order back in March, uh, he said... For one month, we're going to impose a um, uh, an order for people to, you know, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. He, he laid out all the, the details of 10 people and some businesses just needed to be closed, et cetera, mm. like, like movie theaters, things like that. Right. And then he, then he said, but churches are considered an essential service. And pastors are considered to be essential part of the infrastructure wow. of, per, of, of helping personnel. As a pastor does not have to obey the stay at home order. He can go out and minister to people, um, et cetera. Um, and, and ch- if people want to get out on a Sunday and go to church or others, you know, Jew- Jewish people can get out on a Saturday, et cetera. But, but if people want to get out and worship on their, their worship day, they certainly can do so. He said, we only ask that people would practice all of the, of the, uh, uh, guidelines the federal government has issued. Now remember, those are guidelines. They're not orders. They're not laws from the federal government. But DeSantis said that. Okay. So, but long before he ever issued that, because people were getting on to him, the governor of one of the most populous states in the nation, and he never issued an order until March. Uh, whereas other states were issuing them left and right. Mm-hmm. Other local governments were issuing them. Well, in the meantime, 
right before he issued the order, that's when Rodney Howard Brown down in Tampa was arrested because of a local ordinance imposed by the county commission feeling their power. And so that basically you could go to Walmart and all the big box stores and that was perfectly safe. But if you went to a church, that was deadly. And so, uh, you know, I mean, they never said that, but that was the that was the effect of the order. So they arrested him, you may remember, it made national news. Well, it was just a few days after that when DeSantis issued his order, basically saying you can go to church and pastors are considered part of the essential infrastructure. And so I doubt if they're going to be able to prosecute Rodney Howard Brown now. Basically, he gave Rodney Howard Brown a, 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 a or what is it called, a presidential pardon, a government a governor governor's pardon Mm -hmm. but the but but here i am sitting up here in northwest florida well when all of this political correctness panic and fear hit almost every church in our area shut down without being told to without being ordered to there was no government edict or government law or order uh now i'm not judging them i promise i mean i've made this clear we're running out of time so i have to be careful but i i i've made it clear on all of my interviews i do i've made it clear from my pulpit uh we do a lot of live streaming of our services i always make it clear we will not judge other pastors other churches or other christians although many of them have judged us and there are different reasons why they have some of it just out of jealousy, some of it out of fear, some of it out of irrational understanding of what it is we're actually doing and what mm-hmm. we're not doing. We've mm-hmm. been falsely accused. We've had brothers and sisters wow. uh, turn upon us, uh, report us to authorities, just like Jesus said in the last days it would be. Brother would turn against brother, sister against sister. Yes. They would even del- deliver themselves, deliver each other up to the authorities. We're seeing a precursor of those very last days that are going to be really bad. We're watching it now. So anyway, bottom line is, but a lot of people have respected us and a lot of people from other churches that closed have been worshiping with us ever since. Now, I have told them to their faces on a Sunday morning, very delicately and hopefully eloquently, I've said it into the camera, please, if you're coming here because your church is closed, do not bring your tithe to us. We're not out. We're not doing this to get anybody's wow, money. That's amazing. Do, I said, take, send your tithe to your church because they will need this. I said, now, when your church opens, please go back to your church. And I said, I'm not being ugly. You're always welcome to worship with us. We're all a part of the same family, but your local church needs its members. It's part of the body with your gifts your tithes, your offerings. In the meantime, you're welcome to worship with us. Thank you for being here. We're honored you're here. I mean, I don't know how much more integrity filled I could do it than that. Mm. And and so what we did, we did not shut the doors, but here's what we did. We were under no order, no legal compulsion to do anything. We could just keep meeting. Now, we were urged to, quote, follow the federal government guidelines of 10 people, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what we did. So to, to meet the government halfway and to try to assuage the fears of the local community, here's what we did. We had Sunday morning worship open, okay? And, and, but we closed down all of our food services. We're a pretty good sized church. We closed down our food services. We closed down, we, we temporarily suspended our, um, uh, Sunday schools, Bible studies, uh, our senior adult meetings, our children's, uh, gatherings. And we went to a Sunday morning worship service where, and we live streamed that. We told our elderly people and our sick people, please stay home. Do not feel guilty. Mm-hmm. We are not judge, we are not judging your faith. You were, we're just, we're just opening the church for those that are healthy, those that want to come and people from the community that want to come who don't have churches. But if you can't come, or even if you just don't want to, maybe you just aren't quite sure what to do right now. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. We're going to live stream the services. You stay home. I said, and I don't care if when I get up to preach, there's only five people in the congregation. It's okay. I'm going to be here and I'm going to preach and the front doors are going to be open. And in the meantime, we've had hundreds of people coming. Uh, but what we do is our sanctuary will seat seven or 800 people. Uh, most of our people, you know, are like, uh, you, you know, we're about half and half of people coming, but, um, 
but they're they're watching it on live stream. But we've got hundreds that are coming. We've got plenty of room for people to spread out. We don't enforce it, but people just do it. Uh, we've got some people coming wearing masks, and we don't say an ugly word to them. We tell them, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. It's up to you. But see, I did tease them about this. I said, but guys, now you understand. For 30 years, I've been your pastor. For 30 years, I've been begging you every flu season to wash your hands and stay home when you're sick. I said, now all of a sudden you get it. And they all died laughing. You know, and I said, but because what has happened, brother, listen, in the past, we get anywhere from 30 to 80,000 people a year die from the flu in our nation. It's an epidemic. It's a pandemic every single year. It is flu is a global pandemic every year and we don't close down anything as a matter of fact what has happened to us i told from the pulpit it, as a joke i'm very careful you know they've known me for 30 years so i can get away with a lot but i told them i said guys i said some of you every flu season after church you will come down to me for prayer because i stand down front and pray with people for a long time after church and i said you will waller all over me kiss me on the cheek hold my hand, uh, hug my neck, and then when we're finished praying, you say, oh, yeah, Pastor, keep me in your prayers. I've got the flu. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, and they died laughing. And I said, you know you do it. Some of you do it. And I said, so, see, and I beg you every year, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And you do it anyway. I said, now all of a sudden, you know, people won't even come to church. Or if they do, they wear a mask. Or if they do, they sit in the backside. Most of you won't even speak to me anymore. And they all died <laughs> laughing, you know. And I, as, as you, you know, I try to shake your hand and you, and you draw your hand away from me like I'm a rattlesnake. And uh, so anyway, it's fear. It's, it's panic, brother. But what we've done is we're blessed. We have a large campus. We've got multiple buildings. Okay. So we open our sanctuary. We also run live video into our fellowship hall. We run it into our choir suite. Uh, we've got places where kids can gather. We've got one of those big rooms equipped with toys the kids can play with in the back under supervision while the parents worship and, and all. And I mean, brother, we're doing everything we can, but we have not closed the church. Wow. We stream, we stream live we put the we put the medical uh common sense uh places in, in structures in place watch this and we are still trashed by our brothers and sisters and other pastors mm. and other churches in the area I, on face on facebook and around the city because we are doing what hebrews 10 23 says 23 24 and 25 do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together like so many are accustomed to doing. And then it says, especially the more so as you see the day approaching. Hmm. Well, brother, prophetically, I don't set dates, but we are watching the day approach. Never before in history has the whole world gotten together and shut down the churches overnight. Yes, and that's where I was going next. I was going to Hebrews chapter 10. He who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not exactly. forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Uh, Pastor Carl, that is one of the verses that I've been struggling with when in context of not meeting as a church body of believers. And I was just going to ask you if I was thinking, um, if I'm taking that out of context when it comes, no, you're to, not. When it comes to our current situation, because no, that, that is a strong instruction from whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, Paul or, or the author yes. of Hebrews. Yes. No, it's not. And the common arguments are, yeah, but they didn't have live stream technology back then. And yeah, but yeah, but yeah. And, and my answer to that is live stream technology is not the church. The church is the, are the, is the collection of the, of the physical bodies and lives of the called out ones. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there also. Now, of course, Jesus can be with us in a live stream, of course. But the point of the, of the matter is, go back and look at history. The early Christians are well, it's well documented historical fact that the early Christian church in the first several hundred years in the Roman Empire, they endured pandemics, epidemics, disease, famine, earthquakes, volcanoes, storms, horrendous things, plus persecution on top of it. And what did they do? They met. 
Even if they had to meet in secret, they met. And mm. what did they do during times of disease and pandemic? There are several. There are three. There were three major pandemics that swept through the Roman Empire during the first several centuries of the early church. And what did the Christians do? They went out and went into the homes and businesses of the unbelieving Romans, Gentiles, the pagans, and ministered to them in their sickness, burning up, raging with fevers and all that goes with it. And they went into their homes and they comforted them and they brought medical supplies and aids and they helped them. And the pagans were so overwhelmed by it that many of them came to Christ through it. A, a pagan emperor was so incensed by it, he ordered his pagan priests to go do the same thing that the Christians were doing. And the pagan priest's response was, Number one, we're too afraid to do it. Number two, we don't have the infrastructure. We don't know how to do it. So they didn't. Hmm. But because of that, the Christians did. And get this, Dave, some of the Christians that ministered to those people with pandemic died hmm. because they went into the disease-ridden areas. But statistically, history tells us the Christians died and got the disease at a far greater occurrence than those who were not Christians. And the Christians left their homes and went into the homes of the pagans that were riddled with wow. the disease. And because of it, many, many people came to the Lord. You wow. know what? There's no, there's no greater love than this, mm. that a brother lay down his life for another. And so, so see, we're so in love with our own earthly lives. Yes. And we cling to them knowing we're going to die anyway. I mean, COVID virus is just another way to die, right? I mean, you know, so, okay, I escaped the COVID virus, but today a truck runs a stop sign at the intersection and kills me. Okay, <laughs> well, at least it wasn't COVID. Praise God. Hmm. I mean, death is death. There are a million ways we could die every day. Come on now, okay? Pastor Carl. You're ruffling feathers now at this point. Come on. <laughs> I'm speaking medical truth. I'm speaking living truth. I'm yes. speaking common sense. Yes. And most importantly, I'm speaking biblical truth. Yes, you are. The, the word of God has the answer. Now, what do I say to people who say, yeah, but we are under legal orders. We were told by the government, shut down or else. Well, here's what I told my church. So while we're doing all of this, I told him, I said, now, look, the governor could change his mind. This thing could get bad. It could become like the Black Death. And the governor could issue a decree the next day saying, listen, I, I've got to order the churches to shut. I mean, this is going to be temporary weeks, maybe months, but this is just horrible. I said, you know what I'm going to do, church? I'm going to close the churches. I'm going to close our church. But watch this. I said, temporarily. I'm going to cooperate with the government. We're going to stay on top of the latest medical information and statistics. We're not going to come off as lawbreakers. We're not going to stick our finger in the eye of the governing authorities. We're going to honor God's word. On the other hand, if it gets to the point, I said, I can't imagine it would, but it has in Korea, it has in China, it has all over the Middle East, it has in various places of communism, where finally the government feels its power and says, you know what, you can't meet anymore at all. It's just too dangerous. It's just too dangerous. I said, at that point, folks, I will open the doors again and I will be here. Now, I'll probably go to jail, but... I'll be along the I'll, I, I will be in the in the company of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jesus, Paul, John, Peter, James, on mm -hmm. and on and on. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to obey the word of God and I'm going to obey the government like Daniel did until the government steps way over the line and says, this is it. You can't even pray in your own home anymore. OK, then it's done. Mm -hmm. Now I this world is not my home. I do not belong to this world. I belong to Jesus Christ and I am immortal until God is through using me as long as I'm being a faithful servant of the Lord. That's my attitude. That's the biblical attitude. That's the attitude that all the heroes of our faith took. Mm. Isn't it funny? Yes. Isn't it funny, Dave, how we can sit in church in America for 200 years and amen every time a preacher preaches about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Yes. But when, but when we're <laughs> faced with it, all of a sudden, oh, no, we got to obey the government. We yeah. got to obey the government. Those, those old guys, they didn't know what, you know, they didn't have the stuff we have now. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They had to make the very same decisions, and we see what decisions they made. And shame on the Church of America, even when they're not under total legal orders. Now, when I say shame, listen to me. 
I mean that in the biblical sense, because I even I said, if the governor issues a decree, I will obey it. But I caveated it with, but I'm going to watch it carefully. And if he steps over the line of authority and it gets to where he's going to demand, we just can't do it anymore, then that's it. I'm coming out. But in the meantime, of course, I would obey the government if this turned into the Black Plague. But see, brother, we've already got the nefarious ones telling us that this is going to come back again in the fall. You yes. know, right about election, right about election time. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, we, and, and, and we haven't yeah. even talked about and, politics yet. We got to get there in the next segment, Pastor Carl. We've got to take a okay. break, and when we okay. do come back, I, we've got a couple Christian friends to this ministry, and I'm sure there are many more uh, Christian police officers, law enforcement around the country that are struggling with how to deal with this when it comes to uh, enforcing some of these uh, laws or uh, that the governors are uh, ordaining over their their particular state. And I just want to give you, as a former police officer, I want to give you an opportunity to encourage them. When we come back with Pastor Carl Gallup's on Stand Up For The Truth. Missed a recent show? Catch up anytime on our free app, q90fm.com slash app. Click on podcasts. Stand Up For The Truth will continue in a moment. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Pastor Carl Gallups, uh, we've got a lot of friends that are police officers, and uh, we've got uh, several of them who are Christian. And around the country, I'm sure a lot of them are struggling with how to respond to their orders when it comes to dealing with American citizens, particularly Christians and church services, but also those who just want to shop at their favorite store or open their business. Could you give them some encouragement and insight? Yes, I would. First of all, to those uh, Christian uh, law enforcement officials and officers uh, who are struggling with this, thank you for struggling with it. Thank you for not just blindly, you know, saying, no, I'm just, yeah, I'll throw Christians in jail because that's the law. Mm. Okay, well, you know, that's how Nazi Germany did what it did with the Jews. Uh, so so I say thank you for at least giving this consideration. Now, I, 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 I'm not going to presume. I, all I can do is Monday morning quarterback. I'm not a sheriff anymore. I'm not a deputy sheriff anymore. But let me just say this. I think the approach that law enforcement officials should take, especially those that are believers and that are convicted by all of this, is basically the same one that I've taken with the church. And that is there's got to be a middle ground that we can walk Mm. in that is both legal and biblical until such time that the legal orders are just just ungodly. You know, and and so law enforcement will have to do the same thing that pastors and Christians out here that are not law enforcement have to do. That is, we obey the law, but we also look for ways to accommodate God's people uh, that are lawful and reasonable. But even if there is a point in time, or especially if there's a point in time where the law steps far over our biblical responsibilities, then those sheriffs and law enforcement will need to step up and say, I'm just not going to do this. And you know what that might mean? It might mean they have to pay a price, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Mm -hmm. Abednego. Maybe not that drastic. Maybe the governor will remove them from office. Maybe the voters will vote them out. I mean, who knows? But it's a matter of, or do we have character and conviction or not? Are we going to stand in the word or not? But now, I, I, I always encourage Christians. I've done this in 30 years of my ministry, even just living the daily Christian life. We don't need to go to 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 the far left or the far right extremes. What right. we need to do is, in other words, we don't just step up. The governor says this. We need to shut the churches for a couple of weeks. Well, well, then pastors nor sheriffs should step up and say, oh, no, by gosh, no, well, we're not having that. No, 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 no. The Bible says obey the governing authorities. Okay, so I think we should do it. On the other hand, if the governor steps in and says, okay, let's extend it another two weeks. Okay, maybe. Okay, let's extend it two months. Uh, maybe, but that's it. Okay, let's, we got to extend this thing for at least a year. This thing's going to be around for, okay, no, no. I mean, there's a point where you have to say, wait a minute, I see what you're doing. I'm willing to be a lawful citizen, but you're using the law now to target the church, you see. So, so these are tough decisions, but I, listen, 
I know two sheriffs personally, I mean intimately, deeply, personally, who have said, I will not ever obey a law to lock Christians up for worshiping or to shut down churches. I'm not going to send my officers into a church and ticket people and fine people because they were worshiping. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And they're both willing to pay the price. They've both told me wow. if the governor removes me. And these are two sheriffs from two different states. I've got law enforcement connections and good friends all over the nation because of all of my many years doing what I've been doing. And and these two sheriffs have said to me, I, I will not do it even if it costs me my position. Wow. And and that's a decision they have to make. Yes. And I admire them for it. But what what are they doing in the meantime? They're doing like I said, they're 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 weighing everything out. They're being va- balanced. They're being reasonable. These are not knee jerk decisions. These are deep felt biblical conscious decisions that they are willing to make. Listen, I we use a deputy sheriff outside as a part of our security team, and we've got a huge security ministry. I mean, video cameras and panic buttons and panic alarms everywhere. I mean, we really, I mean, we've got armed people and unarmed people with radios and everything. But we also, as a part of all of that, and we've been doing this for years, we have a deputy sheriff employed from the sheriff's office every Sunday that comes out with his car in uniform, permission of the sheriff. We live in a large county. We've got a large sheriff's office. And they sit out there with their lights on, and they help to direct traffic, slow the traffic down, and they're there as security. When all of this started and all the churches around us closed, the sheriff called me and said, Carl, I guess you're not going to want your guy out there. And I said, no, we, we need him if it's okay. We're staying open. He said, Oh, that's awesome. I'll send a deputy to you. <laughs> and, and, and so all during this, this crisis, and I'm making air quotes again, we, we, we've had a deputy sheriff sitting out front protecting our right to worship. Wow. And, and so we've been blessed like that. But listen, not everybody has the blessings that we've had to live in our area to no. have this kind of cooperation. But I'm just saying the church has to be very careful about appearing to be pure lawbreakers on the one hand and on the other hand we have to be very careful to not present ourselves as people with no faith people who are afraid of of wickedness wicked laws like king nebuchadnezzar passed upon daniel and his guys uh in in these places if i was in kansas city and the government a county commission told me that listen i listen Owning a pawn shop, it, it legally is a reputable profession. So I'm not, I'm not making light of that. But just consider, people who are on city councils and and county commissioners, usually they're prominent people in the community that ran for office. Usually a business owner. Can you imagine a guy that owns a pawn shop? He runs for county commissioner. Let's say he's a staunch atheist, and now he's in a city like Kansas City, and something like this happens, and he says, "Aha." And here's a former pawn shop owner, an atheist, who orders all of the pastors, keep list of your people. We want to know everybody and everything. And if you don't give us your list, we're going to shut your church down. Hmm. You see what I'm talking yes. about, brother? Yeah. This, These are decisions that Christians and pastors and churches are going to have right. to make. I'm, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to balance it out, but I'm standing ultimately on the Word of God regardless of the cost. That's just me. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Carl. And I know there's some governors that are really uh, talk about power grabs, and some of them are thinking about push, oh, pushing horrible. this until July. But we've got three minutes with you uh, left here today. On the podcast, and I didn't get a chance to ask you to speculate about the November election. Will Joe Biden be the Democrat on the ticket? What do you think? What do you think about the VP? Will there be an election? And why? Why don't more people see how the media is completely covering up for Joe Biden, and especially the new allegations that uh, from Tara okay. Reid that have come forward? I know all that in three minutes, yeah. right? <laughs> okay, here we go. Constitutionally and legally, we are required to have an election. Uh, it doesn't really say okay. exactly how. That's why the Democrats are pushing towards mail-out ballots, etc., because mail-out ballots are notoriously known for being able to be manipulated yeah. and falsified. And they want that. This is this is they're playing for keeps. This is a blood sport for them. Yes. This is the all the all the chips. Why? Because listen what Trump and his administration are already saying. They're getting ready. When they go in back in office, they're going to lower the hammer 
on all of these illegal things that have happened with Clinton and, and Obama and, and, and Pelosi and Schiff and I make it go yeah. on and on. They're yeah. talking about it every day. Well, these guys on the left know this and they know the only way to escape that coming wrath of the government authorities under Trump and of the people is to get him out of office. Uh, other than the hand of God, I'm surprised Donald Trump is still with us. Yes. I, I'm telling you guys. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. other, other than the hand of God, these people hate him, not just politically, but because they know he's out to put them in prison. So they want him out. They're gonna, I, I, they're gonna do all they can to get him out. They're gonna use COVID. They're using COVID. They're gonna try to use mail out ballots and then they're gonna try to manipulate the election. We are, this is the most dangerous and the most important political election we have been in maybe since the first revolutionary war or the civil war. But I think it's worse than that because now we're tied to the entire globe. Mm, and yeah. now this same spirit is running the entire globe and it is the spirit of antichrist. It is a demonic spirit yes. of fear. God says the word of God says, you have not gotten this spirit of fear from me, says the Lord, but rather my Holy Spirit gives you power and love and a sound mind. Amen. I'm trying to walk with a sound mind. I'm walking in the power of God's word, and I'm trying to walk in love if people will let me. Mm. Pastor Carl, less than a minute. Um, do you see Joe Biden uh, taking that uh, ticket, the top of the ticket? You know what? That's hard to call. Yeah, I thought is. early on he would just because he you know, was their choice. He was the one they were getting ready to coronate. The problem is uh, he's got some bad sexual allegations coming up that are uh, supported by tons of evidence. Yes. I don't know how he's going to survive that. I think at the last minute the Democrat convention is going to uh, put up another hero. Mm, I think so, too. But we'll see. It'll, it'll be fascinating. And I can't imagine even half the country thinking that Joe Biden would do a better job running this thing than President Trump. But um, we'll see what happens. Pastor Carl Gallops, thank you so much. The book, by the way, we'll put the link in the post. It's called Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. And Pastor Carl, we will have you back very soon in Jesus' Thanks. name. Thanks, brother. Thanks. All God right. bless you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness, that went by so fast. But uh, when we come back, we'll let you know about tomorrow's guest. We're excited about that podcast. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, man, you guys are in for it after Pastor Carl today. Tomorrow... Heidi St. John, the busy mom, is back with us. And if you follow her on Facebook or Twitter or anything else, you know that she has been out protesting, going to the state capitals, and she's really, she has a voice in this and such a huge, massive following. Mostly women, but men are allowed to follow her, too. Um, Heidi St. John, tomorrow, author, speaker, and uh, she does a podcast as well. And make sure to get over to her Facebook page. Uh, she interviewed me about a month ago. I'm returning the favor. Heidi St. John, tomorrow's guest on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing our podcasts, however you can do that. Uh, God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>